Episode 48, The Two-Hour Cocktail Party with Nick Gray. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today, Deb, myself, and our guest, Nick Gray, discuss hosting a two-hour cocktail party. We dive into all the fears associated with hosting your first party, how to overcome those stories, and the benefits that can come from hosting your very own party. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection. And in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Nick, thanks for joining us on our podcast. For our our listeners, could you give like a, a short elevator speech? Like, who are you and what are you up to? All right. My name is Nick Gray. I am 40 years old. I live in Austin, Texas. I lived in New York for 13 years. I just moved to Austin recently. I was most famous. I started a company called Museum Hack that did renegade museum tours. What's a renegade museum tour? It is a live museum tour at some of the biggest, best museums in America. We mostly worked at the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. And what was renegade about it is that my company would hire people like Broadway actors and stand-up comedians to lead these museum tours, not the museum staff. So I had these crazy, quirky tour guides and would lead these amazing tours. And I worked on that for about 10 years. I sold it in 2019. And now the new thing, I wrote a book about how to make new friends and build big relationships. That's a little bit about me. I also love green tea. Green tea is my favorite. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Nick. And I, I'm curious, one of the things that you talk about in our, in our show notes was about a loneliness epidemic. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could tell us your story about what you're noticing in the world with that. I read a fact a few years ago, this was even before lockdowns, that said that most American adults had not made a new friend in over three years. And I've been hearing from people that as we get older, friendship becomes a game of attrition. Basically, you just lose more friends than you make. And it's hard to meet people these days. You know, nobody actually teaches an adult how to make new friends. After college, for most people, college, university, later years of high school, it, it just, there's never an environment to make new friends for many people. And we spend more time online and maybe with our families and less time in community. So that's something I've noticed. Yeah, thanks. And, and your new book is aimed at building community. Can you tell us about that as well? Yes, I wrote this book called The Two-Hour Cocktail Party, which I have in my hand here. You can find it online. Yes, awesome. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> And the book is about how to host a two-hour gathering. It could be a happy hour, cocktail party, clothing swap, book swap. It doesn't have to be around drinking and alcohol. But the idea is it's a tight, efficient two-hour gathering that includes structured ways for your guests to meet one another and have new conversations. My goal really is to create a gathering that helps you talk to as many people as possible So maybe you meet somebody that you're interested in building a friendship or a relationship with. Great. So I like, I've been through the book, 
like I haven't read it all because I got it yesterday. But there's a lot of things to work on in there. What is something that some of the people have been working with your book and following your process, not, not you, but others, uh-huh. what are some of the biggest surprises that show up for you about what they're producing with the book? So I've been lucky to help you know, almost 100 people now host their very first party. And after talking to them, because it's one of the biggest gifts that I get to speak to people after they hosted their first party, some of the surprises that they have, okay, well, this one's easy. They're surprised by how little food actually gets drank, uh, little food gets eaten, and how little the alcohol was of importance. I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm hosting a cocktail party. It's going to be all about the alcohol. It's actually not. We use that phrase cocktail party because it's a social idea for a gathering that's lightweight, easy to attend, to drop into, to leave. It's a low stakes affair. And so a lot of people say, wow, I'm really surprised how little people didn't drink that much. I was worried about that. What are the other surprises that I have? You know, a lot of people forget to take a group photo. That's one of the things I try to remind people about. And the next thing is a lot of people really stress out about how am I going to get to 15 to 20 people? Because that's the right number of guests for your gathering. And a lot of people stress out before they plan it. Oh, my God, how will I get to 15? And then I swear to you, within a week, they fill it up and they actually have to limit the number of people. So those are some of the things that have been really shocking to me. When you're, why is the 15 numbers or like, why is that number important versus like eight or 50 or something like that? What is, what is the magic of that? I want to ask though, so I'll answer that, but I want to ask Ron and Deb, have you guys hosted anything recently, whether it's a party or a potluck or a, a friend gathering or anything? What's your experience in hosting? Normally what I say the most recent stuff we've done is like family gatherings and uh-huh. bring people together and in that space. And like, a, it was like, well, we would try to do Christmas, but somebody had COVID. So we did Christmas like in July. Right. And that's yeah, cool. Yeah. So because we couldn't get together, but yeah, that, that's the last one we did. Neat. Neat. How about you, Deb? Yeah. For us, it, I hate to say it was probably Christmas. <laughs> it yeah. was, we, we tend to be the gathering spot for 20 of people, 20 of my family members. So they all fly into Arizona and we have a, a gathering there, but we haven't had anything recently. But that's cool, though. That's cool that both of you bring family together because that's great. And I even think even at a family reunion, I would want name tags because I'm, I'm so <laughs> bad with names. Me too. So Deb had 20 people during Christmas and you could probably comment. Probably that included some kids. Was there kids in that group of 20? Adult kids now. Yeah. Yeah. So now it was adult kids. Well, what you find with a gathering is that at least what I find in the hundreds of parties that I've hosted, less than 15 is actually more work for the host. There's not enough energy in the room and excitement and new conversations. And the host has to do a little more babysitting of the guests. More than 15 and there's an energy and excitement. In two hours, you show up to a room and you can't meet all 15 people. So there's that opportunity of new connections. So I think the perfect size really is 15 to 20 people for a little gathering. Got it. So what do you, what do you say to the introverts who are, <laughs> are listening to our podcast and wondering how in the world am I going to meet 15 to 20 people in two hours? 
introverts are my people. I connect with these people. I love introverts. And in the planning of my parties, I've really spent a lot of time thinking about how to make introverts feel welcome and accepted and to have a little bit of confidence to attend, to even show up in the first place. And the ways that we do that are by giving them guidelines and expectations of what will happen at the party. One of the things that my book speaks about, my secret weapon, is including guest bios that the host would send out. They're little blurbs about half or more of the attendees that will be at your party. And I may say something simple like, you know, Rob loves to ride his bicycle and practices yoga. Uh, ask him about Roybus tea. Or Neville runs an online course business. Ask him about his company or the new house that he bought. And it's little conversational access points that only take you about 20 minutes to write up for everybody that really help people to get them excited to attend and also say, oh, wow, I want to talk to that person. The other thing that we use for introverts, all the parties have name tags. They have brief rounds of icebreakers, but they're not hard icebreaker questions. I think about icebreakers as, you know, green, yellow, red almost. And we start the party with green level, easy, easy icebreakers, which I can go into if you're curious. But giving introverts that power and knowing what to expect, I think really helps them. Thank you. It's like a two-hour window, right? And, and when I read through this, it occurred the, the stopping time is important. Yes. Why is the stopping time so important? Like, like you start it some, two hours later, you stop. What is that about? Why, why is it important to do that? A few reasons that the stop time is important. And everybody, oh my God, if you're listening to this, I can't encourage you enough. When you host an event, you need both a start time and a stop time. And I'll tell you why. Number one, it helps to encourage your guests to show up on time. Have you been invited to something like a barbecue or some gathering? And it's like, it starts at 5 p.m. Well, then you're playing this calculus in your head. You're like, okay, it starts at 5 well, dinner, okay, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll show up at 5.45, right? And there's this awkward zone at the beginning from when the party's scheduled to start to when it actually starts, and there's all these cultural norms about when to start. When you list an end time for your party, and when you host it is only two hours, you will be shocked at the amount of people that actually show up on time. And you reduce that window that I call the awkward zone at the beginning. Oh my God, this happened to me. I, I invite some people to my party and without fail, the people I know the least will show up first. And I'm like, oh my God, what do I, what I do with these people? I don't even, I'm still getting ready. And so that's number one is that it encourages your guests to show up on time. We use the two hour time limit as well to add to that sense of excitement, to not let your party drain on. Have you ever been like one of the first to leave at a party? You feel awkward. You're like, oh. I don't want to leave now. And you find yourself like stuck there or trapped almost. When you can be a host that leads with generous authority and you can end your party on time, it shows your guests that you respect their schedules and they'll want to come back when you host another party. It shows your guests that this party is not an opportunity for a crazy blowout where we all get wasted and blackout drunk. This is just a gathering and you host, by the way, you only host my parties on a Monday, Tuesday or yeah, Wednesday so, night. Yeah. And so that's one of the importance. That's why we only do it for two hours. This is not a long rolling affair. And so I have a lot of thoughts about why that's important, but it is, it tends to leave hosts, especially the introverts 
with a sense of control, with a sense to say, oh, I can do this. I will welcome people into my home and then I will push them out of my home. And that's helpful. That's, that's, it's great. We talked about the back end of the, of the party, right, of the gathering. But then there's the front end. Like what I read was when, when it's time to start, you start. Even if people aren't yeah. there, you go ahead and start. Yeah. And then yeah. whoever comes in late, they're going to feel like they missed something. Maybe. Maybe. It adds to the excitement. We lead three rounds of icebreakers at my parties. And the first icebreaker is where you say your name, say what you do for work, and say one of your favorite things to eat for breakfast. And if you don't eat breakfast, you can share why or how you start the morning. But that breakfast icebreaker, I encourage people to start with, even if there's only three or four people there within the first 10 minutes, because it helps launch us out of the awkward zone. And many times at these parties, you ever go to a party and you find yourself trapped in conversation. You're stuck yep. talking to this one individual and you're like, well, I talked to them for a minute and I'm kind of ready to move on. When you lead icebreakers, it helps to not only create new conversations, but also to end the existing conversations. And so it's a neat little hack or a way to give people a courteous reason to go get a drink or freshen up or something like that. So I love doing those. That's great. And I, I, I'm thinking about, I'm curious about the community after the party, right? Like how these people have come together is, and your suggestion is people that may not have known each other at all before. How, how do they build community after the party? Well, that's a good question. And a lot of people want to create a WhatsApp group, or maybe they want to share the contact details. But what I do suggest is people use those guest bios ahead of time that shares the names and maybe some social link of their guests. And you also have to recognize that a party is a one-time event, and it's not going to be a life-changing thing where together we are all now on this journey of life. And a party is a one-time event, and hopefully the host will host another party to bring those people together again. And no matter how great the party is, I think the reality is that life goes on for our attendees. And we meet people. Hopefully, you get to connect with a couple people there, and I'll give you an opportunity to exchange contact details. That's part of closing the party, that we make an announcement 15 minutes before the end of the party that encourages guests to swap contact information if they want. But I actually stray away from encouraging people to create a WhatsApp group or a chat thread or a Facebook group or something from that one party because I think we all have maybe some of us have been added to those groups and they tend to very quickly die out. And I also encourage guests to know that your house and your home and your parties are something special and the energy and excitement that you can bring together for your guests. That being said, if somebody wants the contact info or something, I'm happy to share that. Awesome. Thank you. Now, do you think that I can convince each of you, Deb and Ron, to host your own oh. two-hour cocktail party for your oh, friends we, or we, neighbors? We, sorry, uh, Nick, but we already committed to that before you got on the call with us today. So, like, it was like we're going, like, now I want to host a cocktail party, and I'm, we're designing and all that. So, uh, congratulations, your book has at least seduced two people into your philosophy. Yes. I'm on a mission to get 500 people. So you guys, I'm going to be counting on 500 you. people. Yep. I, yeah, I got it. Like what it occurs to me is it, like in a space we have a, in our teaching and our education programs, where we talk about something called unapproachables and there's a space where like people, we have a story in our head. We can't talk to somebody. 
they're either above us or they're too busy or whatever stories we make up, we can't, we can't approach them. And this occurs to me as like a first step to being able to approach anybody, right? Like, so part of that is one is like you can invite them to your party because it's like it's a party going on and it's what's happening, right? But the skill that you build in your own narratives around inviting people and having them show up changes your space of possibilities for talking to anybody. I am so hyped on this. Can I talk about this? Yes, jump Please. in. Please. All right, here's what I think about that. A party is a gift that you get to give someone. And when you host a party, inviting them to a party, inviting anybody is a gift that you get to give them. Everybody wants to be invited to a party. I don't care how popular they are. I think I can say this. I have a friend who knows a very famous celebrity. Her name is Martha Stewart, who does home stuff. And she said, you would be shocked. That people think that Martha is so popular that nobody that 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 she gets all these invitations, and yet somebody as popular as that still appreciates being invited to things. So I'm telling you, hosting a party is such an easy way to make a connection with somebody. Imagine what your options are to create a connection. You meet somebody incredible, somebody amazing. You bump into them at a yoga class at the grocery store, maybe. You see him at a bar or just at a networking event, at church, at the library. What is your next step to, to further the conversation? Well, you could ask them to go out to coffee. You could maybe invite them over to a dinner. That's something I hear from a lot of people. Oh, well, I'm in a couple and they're in a couple, so we'll invite them to dinner. The reality is that a dinner is it's time consuming. It's a big commitment and it's often very hard to schedule. And so many people just never make that connection. They say something like, oh, I met all these amazing couples at this birthday. And now what do we do with them? Like we met them, but there's nothing. When you host a cocktail party, it lets you bring all those people. One, you just get to invite them. So you're top of mind and they remember you and they appreciate that. And two, it's an easy way to make and develop relationships with 15 to 20 people. So I think it's great. This untouchables idea it's so cool. However, I do have a caveat for that, that I'll say when you're ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm your ready first, too. Your first party, do not reach from the top shelf. <laughs> your first party should be a low stakes affair. I mean, invite your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, the people you feel safe and comfortable with. You do not want to reach for those untouchables at your first party because your first party, you're going to learn how to just run the event. And the reality is many people have never hosted a party with name tags and icebreakers. And what I see happen is I'm thinking about a guy who's in Kansas. He hosted a party. He had all these people come in. And like a week before, he said, ooh, there's this girl that I have a crush on. I'm going to invite her to the party. Well, he did invite her. And you know what happened was she showed up at the party and he became self-conscious. He became so trapped in his head about impressing her that he said, oh, my party's going so well. I don't want to stop it for icebreakers, you know? I don't, oh, don't want to do these things that's, that feel risky. And I talked to him the next day and he said, yeah, in hindsight, inviting that person I wanted to impress really put me on edge. And so I suggest everybody for your first party, run it and see that you can be successful. See that these things work. 
and then you'll be super successful. And then you can reach for those untouchables. Is that what you call them? Unapproachable. 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 Okay, it's not the caste system in India. You're right. (laughs) Yes. A little different. So there's a lot of stories that people have in their head around being invited to something. They go, is this Amway? Is is this, are you selling swipe? Are you selling, you know, all this other stuff? What's going on over there, right? Is this pampered chef and all that other stuff going on there? (laughs) So like, and I mean, I don't think there's a domain out there from tools to everywhere. Somebody's created how to take a party and turn it into a sales opportunity. Yes. What, What is your coaching for our listeners around how not to get thrown into that category? Even though it's not your intention, it is what people make up. Yeah. On the page that you're going to send people when you collect their RSVPs, you list the why of why you're doing everything. There'll be name tags because I'm bad with names and we'll have a round of icebreakers so you can meet some new people. Have you ever been at a party and you don't know who's there or you don't get a chance to meet everybody? That's why we do icebreakers. My book includes the exact scripts. If you've scrolled through it, then you've probably seen it's incredibly detailed and it tells you the exact words to invite people that will hedge against that. You say, hey, no agenda here. I just want to meet some new friends and bring some people together that I've met here in town. And you use things like that to, again, give the introverts and the shy people, those with social anxiety, a sense of confidence to know what to expect. And I think it hedges against that exact concern. Is this an MLM? Are you going to sell me some sort of yoga wear or Tupperware? Is this a skincare product meetup? What's going on? Yeah, I accept. I have been invited to far too many of those that I thought was just, wow, someone is inviting me to a party. This is so awesome. I show up and they hand me a magazine to order from. It's like, oh, oh." I got hoodwinked. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, so I think I should start an MLM though, man. I can turbocharge. (laughs) So, so what advice do you have for the, the unassuming host spouse that doesn't like icebreakers. <laughs> yes. The spouse is like, oh, no. My wife is reading this book. I just uh, I just want to smoke cigars and hang in the man cave. I'm thinking about my this guy. His name is Andrew, and he runs a Chick-fil-A. He's a manager of a Chick-fil-A. His wife's pregnant, and he wanted to host this before the baby came. It was important for him to read my book and to make some new friends, knowing that his life was about to change once their baby came. And to be honest, his wife just hung out in their bedroom and watched TV. She supported him, but she didn't feel the need that that she had to be there. And I think that knowing and including a spouse, maybe saying, hey, look, here's some things I could use help with if you want to help me out. I talk about in my book how you can delegate duties at your party to some of your early arrivals, that that can help. Because what's the first thing, what's the thing that somebody that shows up early always says? They say, let me know how I can help, right? And as the host, you know, we often don't, we're like, just stay there, don't be a bother. And instead, (laughs) if you can give them things to do, you can appoint them as the party photographer. You can ask them to help new guests get a drink hang their coats or put their bags down. You can even give out free high fives. A friend of mine in Little Rock who read my book and host parties, when somebody comes, they'll say, okay, Tina, I'm glad you came here early. Look, you're going to be in charge of the high fives. When a guest comes, I'm going to say, go see Robert to help you mix a drink and then go see Tina to get a free high five. And it's a way, it sounds silly, 
But now the person comes into the party, they meet you, they meet Robert to get a drink, they get a free high five from Tina. It's just giving people a little bit of structure at a social gathering. The guardrails actually gives people more freedom, I think, to be successful. Yeah, it it triggers me. One of the things we talk about in the Macklin method, and we have a seven-step method to connect with people. And one of the things we talk about is allowing others to contribute. Uh, Allowing others to contribute to us helps form and and strengthen that connection. And that's what I'm, as I'm listening to you, that's how I'm listening is allowing people to contribute and be part of it, um, where they really do feel like they're connected and connected to the purpose too. With that Macklin method and what you guys teach, do you have any suggestions or modifications based on what you know about my formula, but also what you know from all of your teaching? How how will you interpret this, either in running the icebreakers or in hosting a party at your own home? What are you imagining? Uh, Deb, you want to go first? No. (laughs) (laughs) So... I'll address exactly what Deb just experienced there. And that is that everybody's afraid. Yeah. Everybody has this fear inside them. Like hosting a party can freak somebody out and scare them or get invited to a party can freak them out and scare them or showing up early or showing up late or all those other things that go in there. And to know that not only are you afraid, everybody's afraid. Yeah. And it's like, it's normal that you're afraid. It's just like being human is being afraid. And make it so easier to place for you to like connect to yourself so you can be at the party, either hosting or as an attendee. And, and I'd like to open it up because I, what I hold here is it's a place to deal with that mm-hmm. with, with your scared self and go, oh, look, it's really not that bad. Yeah. And, and it's a place where I go, this was really worth it. Yeah. Look, look at who I can connect with. Yes. There is a weird, scary time after you lead your first icebreaker where the icebreaker's over and you say, well, thanks everybody. We did that with the purpose. I hope you'll go and meet somebody new and we'll do another one in about 30 minutes. And there's this weird moment where it's silence <laughs> afterwards. You guys can imagine, right? Yeah. It's just a room full of fear. It's just a room full of fear. And then the room explodes in conversation because there's a silence. There's no leader. And then everybody starts to talk and they start to go mingle and the room comes alive and it's this rush of energy as a host that I, I can't wait for you guys to experience. That's awesome. You, you took me to that very moment because we talk a lot about the stories in our head, right? The stories in our head that they're there all the time. And I thought I, you put me into that moment of, wow, okay, the icebreaker's over. What is the story going on in my head? Like, oh crap, now I have to do something. Yes. And and I have to make a move and get over that fear or, or work through that fear to be able to do that. Absolutely. Nick, where do you want to where do you want this to be in five years? Like what is your contribution that you want to have produced to the world in five years? If more people use name tags at social gatherings, I'll be happy. And it sounds silly. And it sounds maybe not a big deal, but it is such an impactful thing. If anybody takes one thing from reading my book, I talk about the importance of name tags in chapter five and how using someone's name makes them feel seen, how using name tags as a host allows your guests to 
stop worrying about memorizing a room full of names, about how name tags serve as a visual unifier for the entire room, that we're all on the same team, that there's no clicks at this gathering, that we're all part of something, that it's a safe space to go up and meet somebody new. And I think there's this pretension or feeling now that, oh, Mm, this isn't a biz. This isn't a networking event. This I'm not going to do name tags. That's too formal. And I, I hope by hosting enough of these and encouraging 500 people to to see the benefits of it, that maybe I can ever so slightly boost name tag sales for Avery and labor, <laughs> label makers around the world. That's great. Thank you. What questions do you have for us? So you work in social skills and in dynamics and are a good job at thinking about what's happening in somebody's mind. What advice would you have for me in trying to help people that have a lot of fear about hosting their first party? Because that's really my target audience is, uh, you know, on Monday night I went to a real estate event and I don't think I've ever been in a room that was easier to sell to the power of hosting events. You know, these real estate people are like, oh, oh, I got it, we're doing it. And that was nice, it was nice to be in that. But I really wrote this book to take somebody from zero to one, because I've seen the power of transformation that hosting parties has helped me in my life. And that's who I think can really get just the most amount of change. So I just want to ask any advice you have to just think and play in that space. Want me to go around? Yes, please. We have a couple things that we talk about in terms of there's a quarter inch of fear when you're going to make that phone call, but you're really afraid and you're just sitting there going, oh, should I hit call? Yeah. And then there's those seven seconds of fear when that's what you really have to get over, right? It's those first, it's that first moment where, you know, roughly seven seconds uh-huh. where you've got to get over, get yourself over it. And once you do what you can produce after that. And so when you think about, I need courage for seven seconds, it's a little bit different than thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to this thing for two hours and I don't know, you know, I'm going to meet all these people. I don't know. It's really that seven seconds that you've got to get over it and then your world can blossom. And so, so to be courageous for seven seconds would be my advice. Yeah, I like that, Deb. Great. Thanks, Deb. And we use this in our, our, our programs as we, we kind of come towards the end and people are beginning to get something, right? And then we say, so what's this going to look like in six months? And, what's it, and I mean, write it down in detail. What, what's it going to look like? What, you know, who you're going to be talking to? What's it going to look like? So if I was going to say how to get somebody to get started is to let them craft what it looks like the day after you've had this amazing party and all these other people around, how you feel, how they feel, how it's like in your life, right? And then hold that story and that mood about what it's going to be like in themselves as they start to send out invitations and all that kinds of stuff. Because that is your your brain is now focusing on all the fun and success instead of all the fears. Yes. And that starts to rewrite your world. I like that idea. Helping people to imagine what would your life be like if you had more friends? If you were invited to more events, if you had a full social calendar, if you were known as a connector or even a super connector in your community, 
what would it be like if you got recognized as somebody who hosts events and people came up to you and they wanted to come to your parties? What would it be like if friends just came into your world without having to try at all? So I like that. And then like, what would that be like for you? And then be that now. Yeah. Use those stories in your head now. And as we've, we've talked about it, you don't learn anything in one time. Hmm. You got to do it a couple of times to go get really good at it. And seven times is like the minimum to get started. And so create that story for yourself a few times. You'll get better at it. And then yeah. you can go out and do whatever you, whatever you want to do. It's funny that you mentioned that because I find in the people that I've got to talk to who host parties that the biggest benefits come when you're able to make hosting a habit. And when I first started to work on this book five years ago with the first people, the plan was to get through hosting three parties. And people just, it, it really did change and sort of transform their lives. But in publishing the book to a wider audience, the idea of hosting three parties was too much. People couldn't even think of hosting one party. So now we just focus on the one party and it's an easier sell. But you get the biggest benefits when you always have your next event scheduled. And why is that? Because you meet somebody, it's an easy, oh, I'm hosting this party in next month. Can I send you the information to it? And you just go through life. You start to collect people that, that come into your world. And so that's neat to think about that. You will get better at it. Oh, and yes. your first party is the hardest. I agree. Thanks, Nick. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us about your book or anything else? I'll send links that you can find in the show notes for how to plan a networking event, how to host a happy hour, how to do a clothing swap, how to do a book swap. There's a lot of different formulas and formats that you can do to host an event. But for anyone listening, I would encourage you for your first one to follow the book and follow the instructions, and it'll list everything that you need. And think about just how, how could your life be different, and then let's make it happen. That's great, Nick. Thank you. And as we mentioned earlier, you've already convinced two of us to have uh, our first two-hour cocktail party using your method. And so we thank you for that. And thank you for being on our show today. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.